Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie. All right, guys, welcome to the fourth edition of the Better Sign Shop podcast. I've got my friends, Mike Riley and Peter Karunas with me. I don't Hello. think we still haven't settled on a nickname for you yet, Mike. I are know. we, we going to settle the debate this time around or no? What are you well, thinking? I, I can't live with sign money, Mike. That's terrible. Maybe we could get you like a gold chain for the next one. With a big clock on it. Yeah, dude. That would work. That'd be nice. <laughs> or a big Gemini letter on it, maybe. What do you think about letting our audience vote for a name? If we put out a poll on our Facebook channel, what do you think about letting them just decide? I have very mixed emotions about that. I feel like it would be great for engaging with our audience, but at the same time, I really don't know if I, how I feel well, about that. Well, Lila gave me the sign shop Yoda name. I didn't come up with that. And I just accepted it. I said, sure, that sounds great. Let's do it. All right, yeah. Let's throw a poll up. Let's oh, let them drag me through the mud. I, I, I think it's going to end up being sign money or sign bunny. Like I'm down with sign bunny. That's been like my personal brand for 15 years as the weird dude in the pink bunny suit. So I just lean into it. But if the audience has a better suggestion, I will. Well, we'll, we'll leave it up to up the with. audience then. That's what we'll do. We'll put out a poll. Hopefully, when we record the next episode, number five. You'll have a new name. Can't wait. We'll make, Can't wait we'll make that. that announce. We'll make that announcement. Well, this will be fun. Yeah, yeah, it will. Yeah. So what's the, what's the new with you guys? Well, I just got back from sunny Florida. Nice little convention. Happy to be back where the weather is approximately in the nineties and not upper one hundreds. So it's nice you, to be you back. Don't and walk into, outside and, and, and just... start sweating. Mike doesn't it's like brutal, Florida man. at all. I'm not a Florida fan. No offense to our Florida listeners, but well, I'll stick with my Oregon I can, weather. I can easily see why you don't like Florida. I mean, it, I went to Disney. I went to Disney. There's tons of kids running around, but I have absolutely, I was thinking about this the other day. What is Disney's monthly electric bill like? Like that is, they think you've got AC in every room, all these like fireworks and pyrotechnics and lighting. I'm thinking to myself, do they spend, is it like 50 million a month in electric? Like, I have no idea. Do they generate their own electric? It caused, it stemmed like a huge conversation between me and my counterparts, but because of all how hot it was, it was so hot that if this was like it, their AC is pumping out 64 degrees everywhere you go in lobbies and restaurants. I'm like, and it's all owned by Disney. So I'm wondering to myself, what does that look like? Peter's having an existential a, breakdown over Disney's power bill. Yeah, man. No, you know is what? It, I mean, think about it's really super hot there. So you want to go inside one of the buildings and cool off, right? Well, all those buildings are trying to sell you shit. So it, for them, it's probably just a loss leader to get people to buy more stuff inside. That's and a really they, good point. You know, they make a billion dollars a minute too. So it's dropping the bucket. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, I'll go back. I like Disney. I like Epcot drinking in, in, in Germany was like my favorite part of the trip. Gotta love those grapefruit beers. I had a couple of them. They were really, 
That's really amazing. Yeah, when it's 90 degrees outside, yeah, nothing better. Yeah, yeah 100, 100, sweaty, 100 degrees. Well, anyway, happy to be back. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the trenches now with my staff and my partner at my sign shop. There's a lot to catch up on, but definitely, definitely happy to be recording our next episode here. Excellent. Well, Mike, you got an update or no? Outside of designing signs, my life pretty much revolves around this house renovation that I'm in the middle of my my future wife and I bought a house we were bored during COVID we just didn't have anything to do because everything was closed so we're like well, let's buy a fixer upper and remodel it so two years ago we bought a, a house that was definitely a fixer upper and we've got a $40,000 budget and three month timeline to get it remodeled and moved into we're uh, August 1st will be the second anniversary and we just crossed the $200,000 mark on <laughs> so you're way under budget then Way under budget. Yeah. And we're, I mean, it's like half done. Like we can live in it, but the house is no joke. It's only like halfway there. We got a lot of work to go. So last week I've been spending a lot of time in the yard. We've completely demoed our yard and I've got some excavation equipment coming here tomorrow. So if I'm not designing signs, I'm just completely drenched in sweat outside and 90 degree Oregon weather, digging holes in the yard and trying to revive it. So that's pretty much How all often I do with do... my free time. How often do friends and family give you like the money pit joke? Almost daily. But it, I mean, like it's, I've leaned into it at this point. If anybody's ever seen that movie, that is the most accurate portrayal of my life that you'll ever see. It's actually, I can't watch it. Money pit, old eighties movie with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. They buy a, a fixer upper and like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And it's really, oh, man, it's a I'm funny movie, it but. Yeah, it's worth it. I can't bring myself to watch it because I'll just start crying the second it comes on. But <laughs> yeah, I, I was laying in bed the other day thinking, okay, we paid, we spent half a million dollars on this house, not including what we put into it. And literally the only thing left on this house is the land that it sits on and the roof and the framing. Like everything else has been completely ripped out of it and replaced. So I spent a lot of money on a pile of two by fours, essentially. And I, it's something I have to live with every day. Well, I wish I it, 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 it looks nice, man. It looks nice. It's good. Thank you. It's, it's getting there. I take it that you did not hire like a contractor. No, I have done sign money. Mike, dude, he can build his own house. Yeah. I have done 99% of the work on the house myself. The only thing that I've hired out so far was a plumber to come in and set our bathtub and our, one of the shower pans because of everything that goes into building a house. Most of it is a technical kind of skill that you can easily learn. Plumbing is a freaking art and there's witchcraft involved and it's not for me. So anything that involves like heavy plumbing, I've outsourced. I have replumbed like half the house myself, but I just didn't want to mess with that. But yeah, we've rewired the house, all new flooring, subfloor, drywall, insulation, like everything down to the studs is new and it's all been Did you by solder your pipes or did you crimp your fittings? I actually- I hear on I hear that crimping is becoming more and more popular with piping a house. Yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> I did a little bit of both. I did some copper, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I did. And then most of it is actually replumbed with the PEX plastic piping. The PEX and, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the press fit fittings, which hopefully, I don't know. Like, we only plan to stay in this. The, like, the, the to add insult to injury, like, we plan to live in this house for like two or three more years and then we're going to sell it. So I don't really care if the plumbing leaks after we move out. It's I feel bad for that home buyer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they got stumble the onto the this podcast, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. 
whoever Nobody buys Mike's house, do not listen to this episode. Five, five, five. <laughs> Main <laughs> <Yeah>. Street. Call 1-800-PLUMBER <laughs> when you need it. We're, uh, we're keeping a blog of our progress on the house, actually. So maybe in the show notes, we'll put a link to our blog up there. If anybody wants to like commiserate with me or just make fun of me and oh, say, that's what a nice. dumbass. So you are, document- so you are documenting yeah. the process, huh? That's cute. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that. I would like to get that link. Send it to me. I will look to to see how you're doing. Yeah. Feel free to make all the fun of me that you want because oh, I no, deserve it. No. He, he still owes you one for the fast signs. <laughs> yeah, you true. guys just you. Yeah, that's true. I do owe you one, but I'm not going to make fun of anybody. I'm the one that gets made fun of. So uh, it, it's been my life. It's been my life. So no. ask my buddy Matt. Uh, my buddy Matt, we're damn near 40 years old. He still makes fun of me. Like we're 10. At oh, least you're not getting made fun of by your four year old. Not yet. <laughs> not yet i've started taking our middle daughter fishing a lot more and uh, actually just twice in the last week and we went once or twice before uh, she, w- nobody caught anything after two and a half hours in the hot sun you just you're sitting there and like she's i'd look over she's kicking rocks so finally this last time that we went out she caught like 12 fish i caught one because i spent most of the time loading her pole up with worms and untangling whatever mess but she had the the audacity after we were done to tell me that I wasn't a good fisherman and that she could help ah, me learn how okay. to catch fish. So, so, nice. So uh, you take it right on the with. chin. <laughs> Got to all the time. All right. So today's topic, this is a fun one. Apparently Mike's future wife said he's not a football guy. So this will be fun. Hey, the topic today is stop fumbling the handoff. Like, what does stop fumbling the handoff mean? Well, apparently I'm not a football guy, so I can't define that. You don't even know what a handoff is. Or a fumble. This is not true. Go Bucks! I love football. So a lot of the problems that we regularly encounter in a lot of shops are communication breakdowns just from one department to the next and how jobs can fall apart, fall through the cracks when it changes hands from, say, sales to design or design to production or production to installation. That Where that handoff takes place, I would say... 80 to 90% of the shops that, that I've worked with, and I, I think Brian, you and I have talked about this, this is probably true for you too, they all in some way, shape, or form mess up that that handoff there between department. And that a lot of times is not the only factor, but one of the biggest contributing factors to missed deadlines, margin drain, customer poor customer experience. Right, yeah. Pretty much any problem that a sign shop faces seems like can be tracked that back to that in some way, shape, or form in most cases. Oh, you got to say shape, form, or fashion. Form or fashion. Yeah, yeah. We've got, I'm in West Virginia. We've got a governor. His name's Big Jim, and that is his tagline. He started doing the COVID briefings after he saw Andrew Cuomo on there, and he was he thought he was going to score popularity points. And there was one where he was, like, trying to put the mask on his face, and it covered his eyes, and they, like, everybody in the state started making memes about him and stuff. But that's what he <laughs> says. Guys, we got to get vaccinated in whatever shape, form, or fashion that you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry to derail you there. Oh, no. We'll, I, we'll add some of the memes to the show notes as well. <laughs> I'm fascinated by West Virginia politics, so that's where my mind is at now, thinking about Joe Manchin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's another character as well. He's a winner. Yeah, so I think that's a really critical thing that that every shop owner really needs to look at. I mean, it, it falls in line with what we, especially Peter, always preaching systems and processes. And I think that's 
it's almost like such a big all-inclusive thing that is just so woven into a daily operation of your business that I think a lot of people almost miss it. It's kind of like a forest for the trees kind of thing, but it's definitely something that I think should be addressed and top of mind for every sign shop owner is something that you should always be trying to improve on. It's efficiently moving that job from person to person or department to department with minimal friction in there. With minimal loss. Yeah. And I think when you're small, it's a lot easier because there's four or five people there. Everybody's wearing different hats, but the communication flows a lot easier at that point because it's like, Hey, I could just reach out and yell at you, especially if you're in a small facility. Right. Uh, or if it's just you, all day. if you're just yeah. a one man shop, there's nobody to hand it off to. It's all in your head. But yeah, as soon as you start to grow that handoff and you start f- formalizing the different roles and, and instead of one person having three different roles, that person just has one dedicated role. This problem compounds at that point, I think. You know, there's a lot to be said about this. This is a very interesting topic. And Mike, I'm actually glad that you wanted to run with this here on our fourth episode, but you know. As you look through a small shop or a large shop's systems, right? You have, let's just break it down pretty simply for our listeners. You'll have your sales department, you have your design department, your production and department, possibly even your installation department. So that might, like you said, Brian, that might be two or three people, but for the sake of this conversation, let's just assume that you have that broken down into departments. Now, if one person handles two or three of those roles, then so be it. But for the sake of this conversation, let's break it down to sales, production, sorry, sales, design, production, and installation in that flow. So where does that break down? It breaks down in the cracks of each department, right? So in between sales and design, that's where it breaks down. In between design and production, that's where it breaks down. So what is the key differentiator there? What's the common denominator of that problem? It seems to me like it would be communication, right? Would you agree with that? That the common denominator of where we can fumble the handoff is in communication, right? Would you agree? I agree. Yeah, it's definitely a fundamentally a, a communication problem. So at the surface, if you're having a communication problem, that's where the plug in the system needs to be generated. If you need to fill those cracks, it's inside the communication. So what can you do as the owner of your company to fill those cracks? Now, I have some ideas in my shop for many years, almost since the day I started, not quite since the day I started, but almost morning meetings, morning rally meetings every morning. Apple does it. Every Apple store does it. That's where I got the idea from morning rally meetings. Let's go over some talking points. Let's go over some points. Any it's 15 minute meeting between eight, eight 15 in the morning, or depending on what time of the day you guys get started. But if you could dedicate a portion of your day to arriving at that time before you put your bag down or you turn on your computer, you're just going to participate in a rally meeting where, okay. Go through the pipeline once more. Anybody have any questions on what they think that they're supposed to be doing? Mike, you're going to, don't forget about this. I may have forgot to tell you that yesterday, but don't forget about getting in touch with this guy today. I want an answer from that problem or I want an answer from that customer today. So just those healthy daily reminders from in a team building exercise can really go a long way. Do you guys have like a fast signs, like song that you sing or like a chant or anything? Yeah. 
Hey, hey, fast signs. Hey, fast signs. Yeah. No, we don't. We don't do a seance or a song or a kumbaya or anything yeah. else that you Virginians want to I, call it. No, but. man. I, I have got a couple of cousins that used to work for Walmart back in the day when they used to do all that, like the rah-rah stuff. I mean, listen, if you're, listen, there's a bunch of brands. One that comes to mind right now is called Horsepower Brands. And they, ha they're like amazing at that. You know, the whole clapping, applauding, rooting for your colleague to succeed. If they succeed, we succeed. Like that culture to me, one of the best types of cultures there are. So if you can infuse that type of rah rawness into your business, I'm in favor of it. Even if you have four people or 40 people, that to me is, it's exciting for your customer base. You want to announce that, do blogs on it, do video content on it, because that to me is a big differentiator between what you're, what you could do and what your competition is not doing. So that's just another factoid that I like to throw in here, but getting back to my point, communication, those rally meetings tend to lead to other types of communication points, right? Maybe you want to have a once a week meeting for two hours with your staff, put it in the middle of the week on a Wednesday so that you had the beginning of the week to talk about and what you're doing the rest of the week to talk about. That's a really great glue point, sticky point so that you can mend these cracks that you have in your system and communication. I'm not saying that there's any I, I really problem like with the, the way that of a team meeting. Oh, good. Sorry. I jumped right in. I thought you were done. Good. I killed him. He just crashed. He just like, he shut down. Why do you interrupt me? Yeah, I, Why? What sorry, is it dude. about? What is, what was it about my last sentence that made you think I was done? I don't know. Okay. I, I, Don't do it internet. again. It's slow. It's slow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Blame, blame your internet. The fast your internet you got it. it. Slow internet. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Very good point. There I, it is. I, so you were saying you really like the idea of a weekly meeting. Go ahead. I Go do. With it. I, I do like the idea of a weekly meeting and I wish more shops would actually implement that. And number one is just you got to have that FaceTime between departments because communication is all about relationships. And when you're a small shop, those relationships come pretty easy because you're working right alongside everybody. But if you've got a formal structure and you've got 10, 15, 20 employees, you've got to have that FaceTime between departments, whether that's just department heads that are working together with each other. Uh, but you got to have that time and space for them to come together and say, okay, Hey, here's the list of priorities this week. What are some of the challenges that, that you guys are having? What are some of the issues that have came up? How can we help? If I'm sales out, how can I help design? Or if I'm design, how can I help you guys? I think those, yeah, those if you come in, if, if you come into those meetings with the, as an owner, speaking to my owners right now, not the employee side, if your owner, if you're an owner and you're coming into those meetings and you have absolutely no idea what to talk about. I want to tell you that's okay. I want to tell you, I've done that many times where I just wanted to like take the temperature of my team. I wanted to see what I could do to help. Or if they were seeing something that they didn't like, I wanted to hear about it. It was an open forum. So if you don't have an agenda to these meetings, here's a little tip. 
if you put your meeting in the week of in the middle of the week on a Wednesday, if you're open Monday to Friday and you put it on a week on a Wednesday, talk about what happened to the past two days and talk about what you're going to do the next two days. It's a very simple conversation. Make it an hour. If you want to have it for two hours, I recommend you could do that too. But this is a way, it's a culture building time. It's a way to glue your cracks in your system. But when you infuse technology into it, which is my next point I want to bring in. So don't interrupt me again, Bryant. When you bring in the, te the technology piece, how are you able to really supercharge your communication, right? So just like in our, just like in our better sign shop community group on Facebook, like everybody communicates there. If you can create a forum for which employees can communicate with owners in and out of the office, right? Managers are in and out of the office. Salesmen are in and out of the office. Installers are in and out of the shop. So if you could create like a group chat, a Slack channel, a, a Facebook workplace community group for your business, depending on your size, this is a really great opportunity to just put in a great place different channels. If you have ideas, create a, allowing your staff to have a voice with technologies, a really great tip number two, if you will, for what I think is a great way of combating your communication, improving upon your communication with your team, and also subsequently building up your culture. Would anybody like to comment on that? Yeah, I 100% I agree with what Peter just said there. I think removing friction from the communication process is critical. And with technology now, you mentioned Slack. I think Slack is great because you can message anybody at any time and get a response right back on a job without having anything fall through the cracks. And you can even automate, Brian can speak to this, but you can obviously automate some things to automatically send messages in Slack if a job reaches a certain milestone in your system or whatever. So Slack is definitely a really powerful tool to, to help eliminate some of that friction in the conversation. All right. Process. So for our, for, so for our listeners out there, Mike, let, let, I'm going to put Brian on the spot here Ooh. for our listeners out there that for our listeners out there that are, don't use Slack, don't know what Slack is. We use Slack here at the better sign shop community. We use Slack to communicate with, with one another. I don't even have Mike's cell phone number, but. I do communicate with Mike every day through Slack. So Brian, here's an interesting question for our listeners. Give them a tip. What type of automations can they do within the Slack environment that can help them improve poor communication within the team? Poor communication within the team with Slack. Yeah. So with Slack, one of the nice things, and it basically Slack is nothing more than like a team a work oriented group chat, basically you set up different channels. I can message someone directly. The nice thing about Slack is all these integrations that it has, so it, like these apps that are built into it, or you could use something like Zapier or some of these other no code, no code, no code tools to actually pipe information from the different apps. So let's say if something happens inside the design department, maybe you're using Trello or some other system to do your design management. If somebody adds a comment to a card inside Trello, you could potentially post that in Slack and Slack kind of becomes the hub for 
team communication. So there's a, a lot of little things like that. It's really hard to spout something off the cuff without knowing the specific use case, what kind of tools people are using. But it's really nice that you can put information right where you are likely to see it most. Yeah, one I, well, one I like you, you mentioned there, it would be like, you said Trello. So if you have different columns in your Trello board for each department, you've got a column for design and one for pre-press and one for printing and then one for whatever. You can, when that card is drugged from, say, the, the pre-press column to the print column or whatever, you can set up an automation that sends a Slack message to your printer operator that says, hey, this job has been released to you, basically. They just get it. You can use it almost just as a notification system as much as a, a two-way communication tool that will ping them on their phone or whatever, assuming they've got the Slack app on their phone. It just keeps everybody on the same page and moving forward. And that's, I think that's a really, something like that's a really great one. Whether you're using Trello or Airtable or whatever tool you're using, you can usually set up some sort of a similar integration like that when a job changes status. One of the things that I use in my shop I, we use Slack in our shop. So when our POS system, when a customer makes a payment, it'll notify the sales staff when you could do that in an email, but if you have multiple members of your staff, if the owner wants to know, if the salesperson wants to know, if the CSR wants to know, you can centralize those communications to know, oh, we got received the payment. Now what has to happen in our next step of our process? Or if a design was approved, it'll not only will it alert the designer, but the alert will come into a design channel and all the members, including the owner, maybe the project manager, maybe that designer will all be notified. So a little bit of a way to bring in more communication because we all have emails, but we don't read each other's emails. In other words, I have my email, Brian has his. So if he gets yeah. an alert, only Brian will be able to know. So if you bring that alert into a public space where everybody can no be notified of what's going on, that's not even an automation. That's just simply changing the email address in your POS to notify when this alert happens set it up to this Slack channel address instead so that everybody can see it in a public forum. So that's another way, just another tip of how Slack is a really great tool. I think I did a video on Slack many months ago on my former YouTube channel here. And I believe Slack's a really great tool to help not only create that game plan, but also enforce the game plan. If you're going to emphasize communication as your primary bottleneck in your cracks in your system, well then firming up that communication with technology is a really great opportunity to do that. And so you can monitor everybody's engagement. You can see who's actually paying attention, who's not paying attention. So it's a really great, from a manager and owner's perspective, really great tool to help communicate yeah. better, but again, solve that problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one more out. There's an app that I've been using. I put a couple of clients onto this. It's called Missive is the name of it. M-I-S-S. I-V-E. If you're looking for it, it's missiveapp.com. It is actually a team inbox. Uh, so it, instead of everybody having their own like separate inbox, all your emails would come into one single source of truth, one inbox that everybody shares, and then they can collaborate inside that inbox. And one of the things that I really like about it, it, it functions like a regular email client, like an Outlook or Gmail. But the difference is if I, if you're on my team inside Missive, I can mention your name and we can have our own conversation inside an email thread. 
So if I need to get your input before I have to send out an email to a client, maybe about a quote or maybe, okay, what are, what were the design specs on this again? I can mention it right in context of that email. You could see the email chain reply right back to me, or even help me write the draft email to the client. Um, wow. So you, you kind of short circuit that, like taking it from email and posting it in Slack. Yeah, that's pretty there really it. is like an, there really is an app for everything, isn't there? Yeah. There is. I mean, that sounds so cool. I didn't even know about that, but yeah, that sounds great too. And that might be yeah. a little easier for some of our non-technologically savvy listeners out there. Yeah. It does take a while to get used to. And like I, one of the clients has even been able to do SMS messages through there. So like they've got it set up where somebody can text message the business and those text messages go right into the same inbox. So they've got emails, texts right in the same place. I want to go uh, back and hit on something else that Peter talked about there early on is, and that's just a team meeting in the morning. I think, I think that's something that a lot of people miss as well, or overlook the importance of is just a face-to-face -face interface with everybody on your team. I, I see a lot of shops that don't do that. And I also, the flip side of that is I also see a lot of shops that take it too far. It, I think having a morning kickoff meeting with your team is critical, but it doesn't have to be really any more than five or 10 minutes. In most cases, just quickly run through what's being done today. And really the point of that meeting shouldn't be telling people how to do their jobs, right? Like your staff knows how to do their job. There's Your staff knows how to read your work orders and knows how to go through your work in progress list and everything. If they don't, you have a bigger problem and that meeting isn't the place to address that, right? But it's a great opportunity for your staff to raise questions and concerns about active jobs that they otherwise may not have time to or may not feel like they've got a platform to. Part of effective communication in a, sh in a shop is making sure you give everybody involved free, safe space to ask questions, even if those are really dumb questions that, that they feel like or you may feel like shouldn't be asked. If they have the question, they need to be able to ask it and get a direct answer to it so they can go on with their day. And without giving them that platform and that space to do, that job will go into production and they're probably just going to say, screw it, I'm going to do it however I feel like I can do it without any of that clarification. And that's a lot of times where mistakes happen. So shops that implement just a quick morning, a quick morning rundown type meeting where they address those concerns and questions tend to operate a lot smoother. In my shop, I did a morning meeting like that that was generally wasn't more than 10 minutes or so, just going through the day's priorities and what needs to be addressed and what questions and concerns the staff has. And then every Monday morning, we did a larger, more like a full-blown 30 to 45-minute production meeting where we really went into detail the week's priorities, things that are going on. And that's and we've talked about this in the past too. We had a Kanban-type or Kaizen-type session where everybody was encouraged to bring fresh ideas to the table to improve processes and flows. But that can be a separate conversation from just a quick morning, hey, let's all get on the same page type of a meeting. But that's critical. Don't overlook that. Too many shops do. So it's really important to, to that's a great way to get buy-in from your staff too and get them all excited about what you're doing and encourage them to take ownership in what they're doing. Would you say that needs to happen like at the shop level, let's say there's a shop with 15, 20 employees. Does that happen at the shop level or is that like by department? I think that the, like the bigger, like I said, like the Monday morning meeting, like that's a little bit longer. I feel like that's more appropriate to have the entire shop involved, all departments and all hands on deck type meeting, because there's a lot of alignment that has to happen from department to department. I think the quick morning rundown type 
meeting that you do every morning doesn't need to involve the entire shop necessarily, especially if you're a larger shop with 20, 30, 40 employees or more. That can become a really cumbersome thing to organize and get everybody together. But I, I think that should at least be done on a, on a department by department basis. The sales team should have a quick meeting like that. The production team should have a quick meeting like that. Design should and so on. And you can all do it at the same time. So the entire shop is meeting, doing this at the same time. And then most of the larger shops that I've worked with that really are divided up into hard and fast departments with each department has a manager or department head in it. Most of those shops that I've seen prior to doing these individual department type rundowns, the department heads will all meet for five or 10 minutes first, and they'll all align and be on the same page for the day. And then they'll go and distill that information down to their, their individual respective departments. That can be done the first 30 minutes of your day. Sounds like a, a big time commitment if you're doing it every single day, but I think the benefits of it far outweigh spending a few minutes aligning with everybody else in the shop. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think that alignment, if you have managers in each department, if they're not communicating well, then you're up shit creek. Right. <laughs> like, it's bad. And it's amazing in this industry. Like, that's really pervasive. I've talked to so many shop owners that they don't do anything to make sure that installation team is on the same page as the production team. And if you're, if you're producing a lot of, say, electrical science, channel letters, monument science, things like that, the installation part of it is part and parcel of a production, really, and, and the two key together and have to go hand in hand. And if there's no no daily alignment between those two teams. When something comes out of production, it's going to be just a complete shock to installation, right? And then installation's caught with their pants down and they've got to figure out how now to get this sign on the wall. But doing those daily rundowns really quickly between departments, well, your your sales team can, your sales manager can say, okay, hey, production, we've got this job coming down the line. Be prepared for it. And a production can say, hey, this set of channel letters is three days out from being completed. So installation, you need to be thinking about getting that on the schedule now versus in three days when we get it done. Th those little things like that can save fires on the back end if you just put a little bit of forethought into communicating. Yeah, I want to back up for a minute and ask both of you, Mike and Peter, as far as what are some of the symptoms of this miscommunication or this fumbling the handoff for... Let's say we're talking to an owner out there that may or may not know that they're having this problem or they're not sure of the root cause. Like, what are some of the symptoms that they can be able to pick up on that, okay, hey, we've got a problem here at these handoff points? Well, a lot of that might actually come from the customer. A customer complaints, if you have some customer complaints and it's centered around communication there, that's a telltale sign of it being a problem. If that's happening more frequently, you might want to address that. Um, if you're having customer, uh, I'm sorry, not customer. If you're having employee arguments or altercations, or maybe even just a disagreement of some sort, and that's becoming a more common occurrence, that's another like, sign. Sometimes the sign... Yeah, yeah, the signs are not going to be something that you have to like search for. You'll they'll be front and center. They're usually fires that you have to put out, right? Where does the fire start from? Is it a communication issue? Is it a disagreement? Is it he said she said? Is it you forgot to do this and I put it here that told you to do this? So those things are going to come naturally. They'll if you're not if you're an owner and you're saying that you don't have these problems, I don't believe you, but 
because uh, listen, you're small. Most of us are small business owners. You're medium sized business owners. You're going to have problems. If you don't have problems, call me. I want to invest in your business. <laughs> I, I'm not saying they don't have problems. I'm just saying they might not realize, okay, here's, this is actually the root of the problem and not just like something yeah. on the surface. I don't know if Mike's yeah. going to agree with me or not, but what I'm trying to say is that the problems will present themselves. You don't, as an owner, you're not going to have to look for what caused that problem. You're going to know. I definitely agree. The problems are going to be there and you're going to see them. I think a lot of, from what I've seen, a lot of shop owners fail to recognize why those problems are there though. What's causing them. One of the things that I've seen at the most that I think at least internally is a great indicator is, is just the level of frustration that your staff has, especially past the sales department. I mean, once you get to design production and installation, you can usually read the pulse of your employees and a good conscientious employee wants to do a good job and they, in order to do a good job, you can't really have that many surprises that just pop up throughout your day and completely derail what you're working on, whether you're designing, whether you're 40 feet up in a bucket truck or whether you're fabricating a set of channel letters, you get into a flow, you get into the zone and you want to keep working on that. And when you have an interruption to that flow, it's frustrating and it's legitimately frustrating. And even your dude that's just glue and trim capped channel letter faces, if he's constantly having to change gears throughout the day and he's, oh crap, I, they just threw this rush job at me or this one just popped up and I didn't know about. Now I've got to switch gears and do that. That can be really frustrating to that person and that prevents him from doing his best work. And again, a, a conscientious employee wants to do their best work and they don't like those things that prevent them from doing it. So watching that 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 employee frustration level, I think is a really great indicator of this because that's a lot of the times what it's related to. I agree customer feedback as well. Although a lot of time, I mean, not that it really matters in the context of this, but a lot of times that can be a lagging indicator of what's going on because really you don't get the feedback from the customer until it's too late. I mean, you can still use it to, to look forward and solve problems, but you know, in, in the heat of the moment, you're not going to be able to rely on that right then and there. One right. of the ones that I would point out is customers are following up with you. If you're, if you told them that you were going to give them a quote a week ago and they're following up on that quote, that's a problem. If mm. you are in, in production and a customer is following up and asking, Hey, where's my job at? That's a, a big problem or a big symptom. That's of, a react. Of this that's a reactive approach. Your shop's being reactive at that, at that point, you're not yeah. being proactive with your communication. Absolutely. Good point. Good point. And Mike, good point there on the delayed barometer of when, you know, the customer is going to give you the information before when it's too late, right? They're already upset. So you have to, if it's an employee dispute, that's one thing, but you have to be the owner that's going to find out those answers before the customer gets. But yes, I agree with you there too. Good point all the way around. Another big area of communication breakdown that I see all too often, especially from the seat that I'm in currently as a designer is the quality of the design request to your design department from theoretically your sales department. Sales um, team. Blame right. the sales team. <laughs> I feel Shit like that's a common uphill. thing. <laughs> no, it, it is. And a lot of times it's, it is legitimate too, because sales people, I hope no sales people that are listening to this take offense to this. I don't mean this offensively, but sales people are a different breed. And they don't necessarily think things through in a systematic way in most cases. Some do. We just did the AMA with Dylan, and he is somebody who is very systematic in the way he approaches sales. But 
that's rare. And that's why Dylan's a really good sales manager and runs a really good sales team because he's very process driven. But most of them are sales is just a completely chaotic department. And it's, it's, it's pretty much go sell anything you can to anybody. However, you have to close the sale, make it happen. And that's the mentality that a lot of salespeople operate on. It's just they're, they're hell-bent on closing the deal. And then once it's closed, they want to move on to the next sale as quickly as possible because that's their livelihood. That's how they put food on the table. And in the process of that, generally the handoff between sales and the next department in line, which is usually sales or estimating or a designer estimating, usually that handoff is pretty rough. <laughs> Best. So I, I think developing some sort of system or process or just form if nothing else, that your sales team is required to fill out, jump through some hoops to communicate that information effectively to the next person in line is really critical. Because, I mean, everybody's gotten an email from a salesperson that says, I need a channel letter sign that says, Bob's used tires. And that's all the detail you get. And then that's there's a designer's all, nightmare, right? It, it is. And it happens to us on a daily basis. I um, can relate. I can yeah. relate. Yeah, I like, mean, and then you like, okay, well, what color? How big? What? Where are my photos? Or and that's two. Go ahead. Two key words for you there, Mike. Required fields. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You exactly. To, I mean, that's going to solve the problem. I've seen shops that are two two million dollars plus in revenue, and the design request process is the sales rep just forwards the email string from their client to the oh, designer. Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's awful. It's like, awful. How the hell are designers supposed to figure out what to do with that? I mean, you want your designer to sit there for 45 minutes and read through an email thread to figure out what this customer wants? That's insane. But that's standard operating procedure for a shocking number of sign shops. And that's such bad business, It's it, it makes me cry. I lose yeah. sleep over it at night. Don't yeah. make sign money sale- cry. Don't make him <laughs> yeah, cry. Yeah, don't a, make sign money cry. As, as a salesperson, if you're listening out there, be diligent with your notes to your design team. Make sure that you're giving them all of those results because it's going to make their lives easier. And truthfully, it'll make your life easier as well because you won't have the constant back and forth if you take the time out initially to give those instructions to your design team. Totally. There's a So I just, for my sign design business, I just started using a new web-based app to, to manage my jobs. It's called Many Requests, and we'll put a link to that online as well. This app was created for companies that are in the graphic design business that basically sell a monthly subscription and they give you unlimited designs, thinking like Design Pickle or Many Pixels type businesses. I started using it and I recognized that this could easily be adapted as an internal tool, communication tool between sales departments and design departments. Or your sales team can create requests in it and it'll submit it. And then your design team basically has a job ticket that's automatically created in a running job queue. Whether it's that tool or something else, I mean, some sort of a job management tool specifically for the design process is really critical to streamline that that, that communication. And like you said, required fields, like having a form that says, okay, for channel letter signs, what depth is the return? Are they, what, what color are the faces? Is it raceway mounted or is it remote mounted? And all those questions that might take a sales rep 10 or 15 minutes to fill out will save hours of back and forth and messed up jobs and reproofs on the back end if you can just get them to fill it out correctly the first time. So I think that's a huge area that shops fall short on that really need to focus on and address that more. I'm going to come to the defense of the sales reps that may be listening here. I agree that it is garbage in, garbage out. 
But I also believe that in, in this spirit of good communication, if you're not getting the information that you need on the design side, like you got to communicate that back to me as well. And it like give me the, what I need to, to effectively get you that information. Let's say like getting you proper artwork. We know that is a huge issue for just about every sign shop. <laughs> getting artwork that you can actually use in production from a customer it's a crapshoot. Totally. And more oftentimes than not, whoever's taking that order or selling that job made it's coming across some of that artwork. And as a sales rep, I'm I may or may not be a graphic designer, but yeah, I'm not gonna have that same skill set or that experience that a designer would and how to uh, interpret these files or hey, is this good or is it bad? So yeah, I agree on that 100%. And I feel like that's a top, that's like a rabbit hole we could go down for hours, or at least I could go down for hours here. But yeah, totally. Like education and communication go hand in hand. And yes, you can't communicate what you don't know you need to communicate. I think that's a really super important point there. So training and education and cross training to some degree from department to department is really important so that, yeah, your designer or your sales rep knows the right questions to ask and the right things to get from the client before they even hand it off to design in the design team conversely needs to make sure that the sales team is educated and can speak intelligently about those things that will eliminate a lot of the friction between those two departments, just putting them on the same page like that. That's a really good point, Brent. Thank you. I think You're that's welcome. the first compliment I've got this episode. That'll be the one and only compliment <laughs> the one and only. that you will get yeah. today. All right. So the next question I've got for you, Mike, is how does the structure of the business factor into this handoff issue? Uh, as far as like the way that the organization and the roles are structured, not necessarily, hey, is this a LLC or an S-Corp, but right. like the organization chart. I think no matter how large or small your shop is, assuming you have an employee beyond just yourself, I think it's important to structure something. The larger the company, more than likely, the more departments there are going to be, the more department heads, and the more disconnected pages that there are that need to all be brought together to one. So I think the larger the company and the more granular the organizational breakdown, the more important this is, first and foremost, it's the more critical it is to herd all these cats onto the same page. And I think the larger the company, the more important it is to probably have that managers huddle first every morning so that all department heads are on the same page and then they can distill that information down to their individual departments. I think that's really critical if you have, even if you're not huge, but you say you have three departments in-house, say sales, design, production, let's say four, and installation. And even if you only have 10 employees total, there's probably one person that takes ownership of each one of those departments. Most shops, there's a, a production lead and there's a design lead and there's an installation lead, even if they're not a, a true department manager. Even in a scenario like that, I think it's really important that those, those leads at least huddle up and communicate and bring themselves onto the same page. Yeah. Well, it, it, this has come up in one of our conversations in our mastermind calls. But I, I want to throw like a specific example at you of a like sales is not getting enough information and design is saying, hey, it's sales is saying, hey, I gave you everything you need. And neither one of them want to take ownership and, and communicate with the customers. 
you know, is this like a handoff problem or a structure problem? Like how does this, how do we I, solve this? I don't think that's a structural problem. And I ultimately, yeah, that's a handoff problem, but I, I think there's probably another layer of problem in there on top of it, just being a handoff problem there. It, a handoff problem implies that you've got the systems in place to, to make a smooth handoff and somebody is not doing their job on one side of the equation. In, in a case like that, if uh, there's probably not really much of a process for the handoff in the first place. And there's probably not much, like we talked about, cross-education between those two departments. And it's just like a Wild West scenario where there is no real laws or rules. Like the design department is going to do whatever the hell they want and the sales department is going to do whatever the hell they want and screw each other if... <laughs> those two things don't align and they're going to clash. I mean, that's just how it works. So that's, I think that's more a lack of just higher level structure or rules in place in education. So I think in a scenario like that, the, those two departments need to train each other. The design department needs to train the sales department on what they need and what their job entails. A lot of salespeople or a lot of non-designers, not really necessarily sales, I shouldn't say single salespeople out, but just a lot of people don't know what goes into the design side of things. They think you just slap a logo on a picture of a building and there's your sign. There's a lot more to think through than that. It's just um, moving pixels around on the screen, right. man. And it, how hard is it? it? Totally. Exactly. And really like the sales department, what they're doing is driving the overall scope of the job and the look and feel. And the customer wants a sign that looks like this and they want it installed here in the building, right? A lot of the details are left up to the design department to fill in above and beyond very high level stuff like colors and sizes and maybe basic material or construction. There's a lot of details the design department has to fill in and make educated guesses on. So design teaching sales, really what goes into creating that proof and using real world examples, like they should take an actual design request they got and say, okay, let's dissect this and figure out for me to complete this and do a good job and create a drawing that's going to be a sellable presentation for you in the sales department. This is what I need and this is what I go through. And then the flip side of that is sales is really hard too. And there's a lot that goes into it that people don't realize and don't understand. I feel like I've been picking on salespeople a lot. I don't mean to. Salespeople are the engine that drives a sign company without salespeople. The sign company is going to wither and die. Oh yeah. But they're just a different breed. It's a different personality entirely. So sales educating design on what they do in their process is really important too. So that the designers at least are empathetic to what sales is going through and how hard it can be sometimes to get a vector logo from a customer or the proper Pantone color. And designers tend to have a bit of a, I don't know what the word is I should use here. Crusty. Uh, but they can, we can be crusty. We can be prima donnas sometimes. And designers need to meet the sales team halfway. And I've seen so many designers that say, I will not design this for you unless you get me a clean vector logo and PMS colors. And that's not always possible. And designers don't necessarily get that. I mean, so they need to be able to recognize that sales is hard. Sales reps go through hell and back to, to get that job. And sometimes they just can't get all the answers. And there's got to be some collaboration between those two in some way where they can I, both I think that's the, the, the biggest thing, right? Is just being open and collaborating instead of, uh, hey, like I, they're not getting me what I need or. So like, I'm just not going to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, hey, this is, this one's fuzzy. So I'm going to do this other job that I've got the details for. Right. You know, it's, right. So it just 
I think being sympathetic to both of those respective departments and what they go through and understanding their walk in this industry, I think is really important. And that's true of any department. That's not just sales to design. I mean, the same can be said of design to production and production to installation. I mean, these are all very unique, specific disciplines that, and the people that are doing them are going to have their own unique personalities. And it's always oil and water. I mean, they never perfectly mesh. So like we said, just creating that environment or that, that culture where there is two-way collaboration and communication and empathy for those departments. Yeah. We'll go I like the, uh, I, I like the idea of forced job shadowing or, Hey, you do somebody else's role for one day or a week or something. And especially like new employees or if you hire a new sales rep, pair them up with the designers for a week or the production guys for a week and yeah. just have them do actual production work. Yeah. I think that was, uh, or at least, I mean, sometimes you can't, Put a sales rep and if you're fabricating big monument sign, like here's a welder. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, that's but, true. Uh, if you're the, the smaller vinyl side shop. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a little more realistic, but either whether, whether they're actually hands-on helping or whether they're just standing there and observing and taking notes, visually seeing something, experiencing it firsthand, whether you're doing it or whether you're watching an expert do it, it goes along towards I keep using the word empathy and I don't know. I feel like that's the best word I can come up with. Just understanding what it takes to build that sign. Yeah. I think empathy is a good word for it. Yeah. I mean, I've, it, there's so many sales reps that don't know what it takes to build a sign or so many designers that don't know what it takes to build a sign. And there's so many fabricators that don't have any idea what it takes to sell that sign that they're building. So that goes a long way towards putting everybody on the same page and just reminding them that at the end of the day, we're all on the same team, even though we're separate departments and it feels like we're in a way competing with each other or we're rivals. We are all on the same page. We're on the same team and we're all working towards the same end goal. And we're all just part of that process to get there and realigning based on that. And let's jump into some more like tactical recommendations. Hey, if we're dropping the ball on this, what are some of the things that we can look at and start doing to sort it out? Well, I think first and foremost would be, to me, it would be interviewing your staff and finding out what their frustrations are, what they perceive as what's causing communication breakdowns or what's causing these difficulties in their, their particular role. Having the knowledge and understanding and information of what your employees go through, I think is first and foremost, because if you don't understand what their complaints or concerns or frustrations are, you really can't just take a stab in the dark at that. You're not going to be able to address it very well. So, and that's not really a, I mean, that's just taking them out to lunch and having a conversation with them, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's on an entire yeah. department. I'm a um, huge fan of one-on-ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it might not be, I mean, if you have 60 employees, that might not be realistic to, to do that with everybody. Okay, but I, correct. You, right. But you could, I mean, I think you could, I think you could definitely take that entire department, take your entire production department out for pizza and beer and just and encourage them to speak openly and honestly. As, you know, as an owner or the person tasked with resolving this problem, like you've got to be ready and willing to hear their criticism openly and not criticize back and point fingers. And, and that's, and, that's a challenge in and of itself sometimes. That's real hard. Now, honestly, I would say that if you really want to get down to the meat and potatoes of why communications breakdown, communication breakdowns happen is because the powers that be are closed off to hearing that criticism and they're not willing to, to look introspectively on, on why it's happening. But starting there, documenting what's happening, why it's happening, interviewing your staff has got to be the starting point. And I, I think throughout those conversations, once you've talked to everybody in your shop, I think the, maybe not the solution, but the path forward, the road you need to take is going to float to the surface and present itself to you. And then from there, you just need to start implementing whatever tools and systems and 
processes that apply to your particular scenario. Yeah, absolutely. SOPs and checklists and things like that come up a lot in our Facebook group where we talk to all these owners. So I absolutely think you've got to, once you've identified those problems, you got to dive into that side of things and start saying, okay, here's the way that we get files from customers or here's the way that we document that handoff. Okay, mm -hmm. you're the sales rep. Here's everything that you need to enter a job properly. And there has to be accountability on the other side of it as well. So whether that's you as the owner that's providing that accountability or there's a sales manager or an operations manager, like it, there has to be somebody who is reviewing that and paying attention to it. Because one of the things that I've seen a hundred times, and you've seen this at Shopbox as well, is like the owners will implement a process. Things go well for two weeks. They step back and do something else and then come back 12 weeks later or a month later and, hey, we're no longer following that process because something happened. Somebody, it wasn't communicating. Somebody called an audible to, to get back to our football analogy. <laughs> and then that became the default play from there on out. Right. I think regardless of the the topic, if you're implementing systems and processes and SOP, that's a continuous process. You can't just do it once and walk away from it and expect it's going to hold up. You've got to, it's something that you've got to constantly reinforce and refine and fine tune and keep on everybody's, at the front of everybody's mind. It's impossible to implement systems and processes and then just walk away and hope that they stick. It just doesn't work that way, especially in this industry where everything is, everything is rush driven, everything is deadline driven, everything is custom and has to pass through multiple hands and departments. And there's a lot of waste and errors and mistakes and other human factors that play into how quickly something goes from point A to point B in a shop. And that's where, when those things happen, that's where the systems and processes break down because now you're behind the eight ball and you've got to reprint something and oh, shit, let's just get it done really quickly and skirt the system so that we can get it in the customer's hands. 100 percent. Yeah, that was going to be my next point before I died there was <laughs> that if you if everything is a rush job or if you haven't communicated the right expectations to the client up front and like you're continually just like the stress level is high, the tensions are mounting in the shop, like those handoffs are going to be stressful even if you've got great systems in place. Uh, a lot of shops that we talk to obviously don't. So that's where the problems compound and grow and it really cause expensive mistakes. Right. That's a really good point too, is we're talking about internal communication here, but there's also communication with the customer and there's handoff with the customer too, just like there is from department to department in your shop. And that's the two are one or two sides of the same coin, whether you're communicating with the customer, you're communicating with your production manager or whatever. And having those systems and processes in place, not only for when jobs go smoothly, but also when things go off the rails, will make the communication with the customer a lot easier and smoother and just establishing realistic expectations up front for your customer. And this goes back also to training sales, whether it's the design team training the sales on what they need or the production team or installation team. If sales, if your salesperson, your sales team is 100% up to speed and on board with what everybody else in the shop is doing, they're going to be able to communicate realistic expectations to your customer on lead time and there's material shortages left and right right now. So we're going to put this into production, but there could be delays. We, you need to expect that we can't control when we get this material in. And if, if we're not able to get it to meet your deadline, we'll 
figure out a plan B, but, you know, know this going into it, that this might be an issue that arises. Things like that, planting those seeds in your customer's head at the point of sale, at the time of sale, will eliminate a lot of that frustration on the customer's end too and them having to follow up with you constantly. But it all goes back to internal communication so that your salesperson or your project manager or your customer service rep is able to communicate effectively with the client in the first place. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. All right, guys, let's bring this one right, to yeah. a close. What's the, the rapid fire takeaways today, Peter? Use Slack if your communication sucks. I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. Short to the point. Mike, uh, sign yeah, money. I like it. Lean on edge. Sign bunny, sign money. Lean on tools and apps and integrations to streamline communication, but don't forget that just face-to-face -face conversations and meetings and uh, go a long way towards getting everybody on the same page. And having That's an op open environment for communication where communication and questions and concerns are encouraged to be brought to the surface is hugely important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on your side here, Mike. Make the time and space to work on the relationships with your employees and between departments. It's critical, absolutely critical. Can't stress it enough. You want good workflow? I got it when you fix your relationships inside the shop. <laughs> All right, guys. See you on the next episode. All right. See you guys. See you guys. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes and check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening.